0: it's not really fair to have these two roman people who sound so similar felix and festus honestly they both
1: begin with f
2: both begin with f it's so confusing
1: hi welcome to scattered we're a group of friends from the same church who are serving god in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the bible chapter by chapter We'd love you to join us.
0: Welcome to Scattered, everybody. This week we are mostly in Acts chapter 24 and in the first 12 verses of chapter 25. So Paul has been rescued from the Jews again uh, by the Romans. There was this plot against him, which we talked about last week. And now he's been taken to Caesarea, where he's about to stand trial before Felix, who is a Roman governor. And then he's going to stand trial before Festus, which is quite a similar name in my book. And quite confusing anyway um yeah so should we look at his trial before Felix so kind of chapter first bit of chapter 24 what struck you guys about this bit of the narrative
2: yeah the thing that struck me most I think was um Tertullus and his cleverness his Mm. use of flattery to manipulate Mm. you know there's a lot of subtext going on here I think uh it's Tertullus sort of Using flattery as a way of saying to Felix, you know, we know that you are excellent, most excellent, Felix. You know, I think you're brilliant. Here's flattery. Uh, Reforms are being made for this nation and you're doing great things. I'm not going to detain you any further. This is the problem. You know, I'm on side with you. I'm on your team. I understand you. I place you in the place of honour that you want to be placed in. And now, will you deal with this problem for me? Um, yeah, it's it's clever. Whilst not being overtly corrupt, it is very, very clever at getting Felix on side.
1: I read that actually, this was the just the deal in Roman courts that you you had to open um, if you were the lawyer by really buttering up the. Person that was making the judgment, and that was expected and if you didn 't do it they 'd be like, uh, "Hello, tell me nice things, please." but um yeah, it just made me think a little bit about flattery and how dangerous it is, and actually how self absorbed it is mm-hmm. it it 's all about wanting your results isn 't it, and wanting your end product and using people basically for selfish means, and so we use we 're loose with the truth and we are telling people what they want to hear so they'll like us more. Yeah, I, it made me think a little bit about how dangerous flattery is because it just um, is using people in lots of ways.
0: Yeah, because it's actually not true, is it? Because Felix was apparently notoriously not a nice guy and he wasn't very kind to the Jews. So it's kind of ironic that this the Jews have brought this turtleous guy and tur- turtle is it So It sounds like turtle with an us anyway he and he's like oh we you know we think you're great and I'm like but this guy's killed loads of people and he's not a nice guy like what's the difference guys between flattery and like encouragement
1: one's true and one's false yeah
0: but don't you think you can flatter someone with true things yeah I
1: guess so then I guess it becomes about your motive doesn't it
0: Mm, yeah that's helpful
1: flattery would have a selfish motive and encouragement would have an other centered motive I I think
0: yeah and I guess as well flattery gets you something doesn't it like I guess normally you'd flatter somebody who's potentially like a bit above you in some way and you need something maybe you know so maybe it's somebody who's like really popular and you want you also want to be popular or I don't know like how it's relevant to kind of our situation, but here it's very much that they need something from this guy, don't they?
2: I think the cultural thing here is quite interesting, though. So I've just come work from working in an area where it's really common to start um, meetings with big people like this, like big chief w- Walla Wallers. I hope that that's culturally appropriate use of that phrase. But um,
1: you're learning like, well, my friend. You're
2: learning well. Good I'm more than so hard with my cultural integration. Um, You know, it was really common where I was to start conversations in this way by saying, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. You know, you've done all these great things for us. Now, can we talk about that? Um, And it's a really hard, fine line in those cultures, I think, to be culturally appropriate without being manipulative. I think here to tell us is clearly being manipulative, but I do think there are situations in which there's a very fine line between cultural appropriateness and not seeming rude and not being manipulative.
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when Paul speaks then in verse Mm. 10, he, he, he has to open with something positive about Felix, doesn't he? But it's just way less smarmy and over the top. And he tries to find something, I guess, that's true you've been judged for a long time um so he does say something positive doesn't he and so fulfills the cultural appropriateness without twisting lying. The his, yeah without lying mm. and it's interesting
2: isn't it what to focuses on he's you know he's talking about um focusing on peace you know because there was this whole thing wasn't there around the roman empire the roman empire was becoming so big that control was a big deal and any sort of rebellion or riot was smacked down upon and so Tertullus is really focused in this little opening speech about peace and the sort of um social political effects of Paul's ministry it's super clever it's exactly the right accusation to throw at that time isn't it but Paul actually doesn't he almost doesn't rise to it in quite the way you would expect him to he sort of mm. goes back down to the actually this isn't an issue of socio-political peace this is an issue of those that that sort of um you know you're against the law you're against the people and you're against the temple that's what this is actually about and then yeah
0: yeah and how does he defend himself against those taxation i love the fact that he
1: cheerfully makes his defense so you yeah. he's
0: Yeah, I just love the fact that
1: he's cheerful about just telling them the story. And he just goes through what happened, didn't he? Doesn't he? And says, I was only in Jerusalem for 12 days. I was in the temple. I was doing all the things that Jews do at that point to celebrate the festival. And so, yeah, he just walks through and throws out, really, the ridiculousness of the charges. Um, Mm. And then again, he calls back to the fact that it it's the same God doesn't he and tries to draw the similarities again between the Jewish faith and um his understanding of this the one God and all the common ground he's got with the Jews
0: yeah because those it's he says doesn't he that the people who've actually got a problem with him haven't actually come like the the there's no evidence people who actually saw him in the temple haven't actually come like it's just this it's such a farce isn't it like just seems to be like truth versus uh, lies. He shouldn't be there. It's so clear, isn't it, that Felix, what Felix should do right now is say, okay, you're free to go. Yeah, but he doesn't, I, does he? I read
1: that actually it's a serious breach of Roman law mm. to bring charges without the people that are making the accusations being there. So the fact that they've got this hotshot lawyer is actually just trying to cover up for the fact that they're breaching the fact that the people making the accusations aren't there to give any evidence. So there's no evidence that's credible or valid against Paul. Mm. And you're right. Yeah. Felix should have just dismissed it, shouldn't he?
0: Yeah. And like in verse 16, he, t- he says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God a man. And we're going to see quite soon, like what kind of guy Felix is. Um, and then we've got Paul who, who, you know, throughout his life has worked so hard to keep his conscience clear. Like I think, like, for me, sometimes I like to pat down my conscience and just be like, calm down, like, I'm just going to do what I'm doing. But I feel like Paul was the kind of guy who who did strive to love God and to love people well throughout his life. And he's just like, that's what I'm trying to do um, with my life. And it's such a contrast to everybody else here.
1: Yeah, even... It was interesting to think about even before paul met jesus he was striving to get rid of um christians because he, his conscience told him that that was a violation of his jewish faith and so even you see that character trait in paul don't you pre jesus and post jesus that if he believes something to be true he's, he threw his whole being behind that and wanted to live fully in the light of that um, and praise God that he met Jesus. And then he's throwing everything he's got toward uh, behind the gospel and wanting people to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. I read
2: a great quote that said, um, conscience can be wrongly informed and needs to be educated by divine revelation to be a reliable check on our behavior. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Paul's conscience was formed by Uh, verse 15 basically isn't it in light of the fulfillment of the law and the res uh, by jesus and his resurrection they look towards the um the final resurrection and he lives you know his conscience is formed by that and he's trying to show here isn't he he's not a troublemaker he's a but he is a follower of jesus and he sort of says who fulfills everything that the Jews and I both believe will actually happen you know he's saying the Jews and I both believe that there will be a resurrection of both the just and unjust the only difference is that I believe that Jesus fulfills that and my conscience Mm. towards God and the people is in light of my belief in the resurrection.
0: And so it's so clear isn't it like this guy is innocent he should be freed on the spot um, but what happens, like kind of we're thinking 22 onwards now, what do you make of uh, Felix and his kind of response in this trial?
1: He, it just becomes so clear in this second part of the chapter, doesn't it, how corrupt Felix is and how he's interested in um, what Paul's got to say, um, but isn't prepared to commit so I was fascinated by the fact that Felix and his wife, who actually was Jewish, so Drusilla was a really prominent Jew, They this is her second husband and it's his third wife. So they're not known for their um, commitment in marriage. Um, and yeah, like we said earlier, he's just so corrupt in everything he does. But I was fascinated that when they called to talk to Paul, Paul explains Jesus to them, explains the gospel, but then really wisely from Paul, obviously then applies that into um, their lives and talks about righteousness, self-control, and coming judgment. And I find that so encouraging that Paul clearly knows his audience so well, doesn't he? And he tells them about who Jesus is and the resurrection, but then he also says, and that means this for your life.
2: Yeah, because the way that Felix and Drusilla get together is basically Felix lures her away from her husband. It's not like she was you know, separated from her husband already. He, he lured her away. Um, and I, I really thought that this was a, a picture of, you know, because you, sa- it says in verse 22, doesn't it, that Felix is well acquainted with the way. You know, he's, he knows about Christianity and yet there's no fruit. You know, you can have an accurate understanding of Christianity and be miles away from faith. You know, I think there's a real difference here, isn't there, between head knowledge and actual faith. Felix, you know, mm. he repeatedly puts off a legal decision about Paul and a personal decision about Jesus because he was unwilling to take those steps he needed to take to, to towards Christ because he just valued the things of this world too much he he was too scared about what he'd done um he recognized his sin but he just wasn't willing to do anything to deal with that
1: I found it fascinating in verse 25 where it says Felix was alarmed so clearly there was a real emotional reaction wasn't there to what Paul was saying it it wasn't like oh blah 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 like there was a definite fear in him and apparently that word alarmed is the same word that the Philippian jailer felt um, after the earthquake and at the power of God and yet the Philippian jailer immediately responds in faith and his whole household come to Jesus and yet, Felix feels that exact same emotion and that conviction, but just pushes it away. And yeah, it's so sad for him, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it reminds me of like, ah, uh, I think it reminds me of you know, when Jesus did that miracle, um, uh, and he healed the guy with the demons, and the demons went into the pigs, and the pigs ran away into the water, and then the people come and they are afraid um and they they send jesus away they say please leave this area um and there's other instances in the gospels aren't there where like the holiness it's almost like when the holiness is is scary and and kind of you can either you know embrace that and be like i need you god or you can want to be as far away from it as possible um it's interesting with felix isn't it there's almost this kind of he wants to he wants to hear about it, like he's attracted to it, but also he wants to keep it away from him because it means, it means change for him, doesn't it? It means probably many lifestyle changes and that's too much for him. And so he just, he just pushes it away. Um, I think it challenged me like when, when do I hear my conscience? When do I, but when do I not have the courage to act upon it? Um, I think probably all of us have a bit of Felix in us at times. Like we know what the right thing to do is, but sometimes we just kind of put it off or kind of push it away. Um, Cause we just, we just lack the courage. And I think, I think Paul very much does have the courage to do, to do hard things like talking to, to Felix about, you know, potentially his, his lifestyle and his marriage. Um, and I just, I found that really challenging.
2: And isn't that encouraging as well? You know, this hap- This thing happens at a point where, like we said um, a few minutes ago, Felix could have just let him go. Like it feels such a frustrating moment. And often um, people, you know, when you read around Acts 24, there's like, or Acts in general, there's like this line, isn't there? Paul's missionary journeys and then his trials. But actually we can see in just these three verses that actually these, this time, um, with Felix was just a continuation of his missionary work. It wasn't the end or the suspension of it. Uh, Paul hasn't wavered in his his work. He doesn't see this apparent deviation from uh, his missionary work to let go of what his ultimate aim is. Mm. It, it's just that um, I found that really helpful given our, my family situation where we had this whole plan going off to we were supposed to go to France in December and we, instead we find ourselves here it's not a mistake and there there are still uh, opportunities for sharing wherever you are wherever God has you it's not like okay this is the dividing line of this part of my uh, spiritual life actually it is all encompassing and it should continue no matter where
1: you are I found that so encouraging reading this Hi, ladies just a question how do you think we can help each other cultivate that the poor light like, living out of a clear conscience like what helps us do that day to day and and how can we help each other to do that rather than just to push down our conscience when it feels too hard
0: I had to make a pact with myself at some point because I do tend to I do tend to be motivated by fear and um, so for me it's it's not it's not necessarily you know a, a desire for um, you know, like we see with Felix, kind of potentially lifestyle stuff like that. But for me, it's more I act out of um, a fear of, I don't know, the consequences of something. And I'm much more likely to um, not do something because of my fear. And so I've had to say um, to myself, you, I, I am not allowed to make a decision because I'm afraid of something. Like if I don't want to make a visit to somebody's home because I'm worried because they... Um, Have a cat, and I'm afraid of cats um, in the country that I live in. So, for something like that, I will catch myself um, making that decision out of fear and making the decision not to go and be like, okay, I'm not going to base my decision on fear. I find it helpful to talk to my husband about that and say to him, like, if I'm acting a bit funny about a decision to like whether to go and love someone well or whether to go and meet with this person, and you think I'm acting funny about it and not doing it, you need to remind me. Um, Mary, don't make that decision out of fear. Like, make it from a place of faith. I need people around me reminding me that. I don't know about you. Uh,
1: I would say that that was helpful, Mary, thinking about what we act out of. And I think for me, I often act out of wanting to be popular or wanting to. And so that stops me sometimes saying hard things or doing hard things. And when you were talking, I just thought, actually, in verse 25, I need I need to remind my heart regularly that there is a coming judgment and actually cultivate that desire in my heart to hear the Lord Jesus say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, rather than for other people to think, "Oh, isn't Jill great? But actually mm-hmm. that the Lord sees the motivations of our heart, doesn't he? And he knows all those times that I haven't spoken when I could have done and just cultivating daily myself, I think, before God. That's my desire to hear Jesus say, well done, rather than living at a socially appropriate level and comparing myself to others around me, but actually just wanting to look to Jesus.
2: But it is a two way street. I think we do need to be challenging each other gently in love when we um, when we see issues and encouraging each other towards uh, more godly responses to things. But I also think that we need to be praying for each other that we would have soft and open hearts. Um, You know, often when I feel challenged by someone, I would say particularly my husband, my automatic response is that they are wrong. And um, that becomes the argument. You said that in a mean way, not actually he might have had a point. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we need to be praying for each other that we can call each other to account um, in terms of conscious, conscience and in terms of our actions, but we need to both have a soft heart and
0: uh, a gentle mouth, kind word. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we get to chapter 25. Um, it's another. So he's, he's um, two years have passed. Felix goes away and now we've got Portius Festus, who's come in um, the next governor. And so uh, Paul has to stand before him. So he's brought before him. There's a load more ac- accusations, another trial going on. Okay, so what's kind of familiar about this setup? What's familiar about this bit?
1: Um, there was no proof to the charges against Paul. I feel like, how many trials does this guy <laughs> have to go can. through?
0: <laughs> um, I,
1: underli- I just underlined that in verse 7, that they could not prove it just feels like again and again. Um, I think Paul almost sounds tired in his defense. You know, he's
2: like, if there's an issue, fine, then kill me. But if not, just for goodness sake, just let me go. I'm so tired mm. <laughs> of you having baseless accusations against me. And, you know, it's been two. can I just point out, it has been two years and people still want to kill him.
1: <laughs> the poor man. And how hungry must those people be? honestly how much hatred like yeah i think they've eaten to be honest i think they've broken their (laughs) fast
0: yeah actually i think there was i think there was a a, there was a list of things which if you'd made a vow and you couldn't do your vow for various reasons you do get let off so i actually think they they're not that hungry anymore Um,
1: but yeah, and
0: just this ongoing delay in justice, isn't it? I mean, you know, Festus is like, Festus is a bit of a funny name, isn't it? Um, Festus is like, oh, maybe I could send you to Jerusalem. And are you willing to go to Jerusalem? And Paul's like, for goodness sake, I appeal to Caesar. Like, what does that mean, guys? I appeal to Caesar. Well, I'm not exactly sure, but
1: he's playing the trump card, isn't it? Of, okay, I'm done with all you non-chief walla wallas and i want to go to the big guy
2: well it it was his right wasn't it as a roman citizen if you're in a legal wrangle and you said i appeal to Caesar, basically nobody can touch you until you've appeared uh in rome and so this was his way of getting getting to rome effectively
0: yeah and he doesn't like he he knows his rights doesn't he he's um I read someone said he, like Paul's willing to face the lions, but he's not willing to put his head in the lion's mouth. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's got to that point now. How's God at work? Because you know he's not he's 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 mentioned a bit, but like it, again, we don't see you know God did this, God did that. Um, how's he at work in all of this? And and how is it this is kind of an encouragement to us?
1: I really wrestled on Paul's behalf with the whole two years under guard, um because this guy's just trying to bribe him for a little bit of money and it it looks like doesn't it in that section that felix is the powerful one who's calling all the shots but just to stay sane paul must have had that really deep assurance mustn't he that god's in control and um it reminded me of the verse 11 from last week where god's promised him that he's going to go to rome and he's going to be able to explain who Jesus is and what Jesus has done um on the big stage in Rome and how deep that assurance must have been to keep Paul going for those whole 2 years with this joker who's just trying to get some money out of him. So yeah, I think we see don't we as we look back to last week God is taking him to Rome but just what a lesson that is in God's timing and not our timing and when I struggle to wait a week for something Paul two years under Felix's jurisdiction and yet Paul knows doesn't he that it's God that's in control and that keeps him
2: you know it's been two years and the rest you know it was two years of him with Felix but this has been going on for quite a bit longer than that hasn't it the whole scenario and yet you can see that in everything there is a purpose at every stage paul is sharing the gospel or it's moving him towards uh where he knows he's supposed to be or uh jesus is appearing to him and then he has this super frustrating double trial scenario um and i i read something that said when jesus is your passion your life will never be without purpose you can see that in everything that paul is doing there is a purpose he is active in that purple purposefulness but also God has a purpose for him and he works within that and I thought yeah like you Jill that two-year waiting period of not knowing what's going on and just being called to and from Felix or Festus whichever one it was Felix
1: (laughs) they both begin with F
2: both begin with F it's so confusing uh whichever one it was god still had a purpose in that he was still at work there were still opportunities to share it wasn't purposeless yeah
1: it's really made me think about how easy it would have been for paul to say oh when i'm free from this prison cell and how but he didn't because he saw that there was purpose every day and how easy it is for us at the minute to say when lockdown's over when coronavirus is over you know it's been nearly it's been over a year now how much longer god do we need to be under these constraints and yet i think just like paul god wants us to live every day doesn't he thinking what is it that today's going to bring what's my purpose as somebody who loves jesus today within the restrictions that i'm living under how do i live for jesus today what opportunities is god going to bring today for me to um witness to him but mm. I, I appreciate that's hard isn't it for us at this time just like it was hard for Paul then.
2: Yeah, mm. cuz it could it could have Paul could have sat in sat in his cell or wherever he was couldn't he and thought, "Oh, I just wish these trials could be over so that I could get going with evangelism." But actually, what was his defense over and over again if not evangelism?
0: Yeah, that's cool great and we'll see uh we'll see uh how the journey continues next week so thanks for joining us guys um and we'll see you next week bye bye bye